January has been an amazing and jam-packed sports month. We just had the NFL Conference Championship Games, and the Super Bowl is right around the corner in a couple weeks. We got college basketball and the NBA heating up as we head into March for the March Madness Tournament, as well as the NBA playoffs in the spring and summer, which you all know I love so much. But what does that mean? That means lots of great games for us to watch. But maybe even better yet, how about we go and watch some of those events live and in person? And where's the best place to get tickets? I want you all to check out the app GameTime. GameTime is the fastest growing ticketing app in the U.S. They offer amazing last-minute deals on all of your favorite professional sports as well as your favorite college teams. And then on top of that, they also sell concert tickets as well as comedy show tickets. So if you're in L.A., maybe you want to go see the Lakers or the Clippers, GameTime's got you covered. Maybe you're in Atlanta, you want to go see Kevin Hart perform, Game Time's got you covered. You're in Chicago, you want to see Chance the Rapper put on a great show, Game Time has you covered for that and so much more. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use code HOOPS, that is H-O-O-P-S, for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. All right, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of In the Paint, an NBA podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Tweed, first and foremost, if you are new to the podcast, one, thank you so much for stumbling across this podcast, however you did. Second, if you like what you hear at the end of the podcast, if you're a fan, please like, rate, review, subscribe, and download to the podcast. That way you don't miss any future episodes, you get all your notifications when they drop, all that good stuff. You can find us on any platform that stream podcasts, so your Apple, your Google, your Spotify, those places are great. Second, if you're a continued listener... Thank you so much for the continued support. We salute you. We appreciate you. We appreciate the love. Um, we're going to dive into a lot of the games that happened yesterday, recording this Thursday morning, February 2nd. Um, a lot of the, There was about eight games last night. We won't dive into every single one. Um, we'll talk about four to five teams in general from last night. So we'll talk Sixers. We'll talk Celtics. We'll talk Warriors. We'll talk Kings. And we'll talk Suns. So I think that's, what, four, five or six teams. And then we'll talk about a standings update. We'll see where every team lies. We'll look at a couple metrics of some things related to most some of those teams that we're going to talk about. And then we'll look at the betting lines for tonight's games. I think there's about six or seven games on the slate tonight. Um, a couple of them, obviously, national TV. So those will be part of our, our best bet and our gambling corner, stuff like that. But like I said, all that good stuff. Um, we, will, we will definitely dive into a lot of stuff today. So we will first start... With some of the games from last night, the teams we're going to focus on, like I said, we'll first start with the Sixers. So Sixers taking on the Magic. If you remember, I think about a week ago, maybe it was less than a week ago, the Sixers played the Magic in Orlando, and the Sixers pretty much controlled the entire game until the fourth quarter, and the Magic just had stuck around and stuck around. And, you know, even bad teams in the NBA, but, like, promising bad teams, so young and up-and-coming I mean, the Magic are bad, but they aren't as bad as they could be. They're 20 and 32. Their record is a little better probably than their talent is um, in terms of cohesion and putting it all together. But, but I say that all to say, even on nights when you're playing a bad team, if they're at home, if they catch a wind of some sort of success, 
if you let them hang around and you don't put them away when you have the chance, they can burn you. And last time they played, that's what happened. Um, so this night or last night, a little different. Uh, the Magic did hang around. They were down 14 in the first, but then stormed back to only be down two at halftime. So again, they stuck around. They fought. They fought. They, they kept it close. They clawed, and they were right there at halftime. And then third quarter, they were only down three. And then the fourth quarter, the Sixers did what they should have done in the first time they played or the last time they played. And they put them away, and they outscored them by seven in the fourth quarter, so winning by winning by 11. I guess my math was off somewhere. But nonetheless, um, they, they beat them by 11. Exactly what you got to do. James Harden was one rebound shy of a triple-double. And actually, if you watch the game, there was like a, a moment where there was like a tip-around rebound, and it actually ended up in Harden's hands, but they called it a team rebound versus a single rebound. So I would call it a triple-double in my book, but the stats don't say that. Harden had a triple-double, and Bede was just as good as he always is. Um, he ended with 28-11. and 11. Plus 17, best plus minus, along with George's Niang. Niang was one for six from three, but he just had some big shots at big times. He did have seven points. Some of those shots were right in the fourth quarter when like they needed to kind of stretch that lead, and he hit it. Maxi continues to kind of be stuck in a weird role. I would put him back in the starting lineup if I was Doc. I know he's ending the game, which is all that really matters. But the last three or four games, he just has been really out of rhythm and really inefficient. He had 10 points, but he was on 2 of 11 shooting. He got to the line six times. But again, not necessarily what you want to see. But what is, I think, after all of this, looking at the Magic, right? Like, the Magic had some good performances. Bancaro still struggles from three. He needs to get better. Wagner struggled. I mean, they all kind of struggled from the field. 6 of 18, 5 of 18, 3 of 10. Fultz was the best player on the court and still had a minus 8. You know, like they couldn't really defend super well. So what do we do with the Sixers? And here's the reason why. As of this morning, they're in the three seed in the East, three games back of first place. We'll talk about the Celtics in a minute. What they did the Nets last night was unfair. But overall, those top three teams are pretty solidified. I know everybody wants to include Brooklyn in their in their contender sheet, but they're not a contender right now. And they're without Kevin Durant for you know, the next couple weeks, foreseeable future, and they could keep sliding. I don't think they will, but they could because Cleveland is also sliding, which, you know, we'll talk about in a second when we talk standings. But it looks like your top three of Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly are all kind of locked in. It just it's, it's a matter of where they end up. Now, Milwaukee's won five in a row, seven and three in their last 10. However, Philadelphia is also eight and two in their last 10 with Boston seven and three. So the elite teams at the top are obviously still elite. The numbers will tell you that Philly deserves to be right there. Offensively, Denver is number one in the league. Boston is two. Brooklyn is six, but Philly is eight. Now remember, this is offensively, but defensively, Philly is fifth in the league. So as you know, in this podcast, we talk about it all the time, but history shows that if you don't have a top 10 offense and defense, you're not really going to win a title. There's only been a couple that have done that. The Lakers with Kobe, who are terrible defensively, but they were the, the best far and away team offensively, and they just outscored everybody. And then when they needed to in the playoffs, they got stops, which the defensive efficiency numbers obviously are more holistic, right? They're looking at the entire picture. But in the playoffs, situational defense is massive. And so even if you are 15th in defense, 
if you can be situationally good in defense and get stops when you need to, the number doesn't necessarily dictate everything, but it's a decent indicator. We've seen historically, if you're top 10 in both, you can win a title. If you're not, you usually can't. Now, Philly is 8th in offense and 5th in defense, so they obviously fall under that kind of, let's call it a prerequisite of being 10 and 10, 10th and or top 10 and top 10, which they are. Um, the thing that I'm looking at is they just feel different. Like, I was texting a buddy yesterday. Let me see if I can pull up the conversation. He actually initiated it, which is funny because I was thinking of texting him the same thing when when he did. Um, so he texted me. He said, call me crazy, but the Sixers definitely can come out of the East. He said, Embiid is just that good. He said, now, Doc will probably mess it up. I don't trust him, but they are good enough. I said, oh, they're legit. I said, Harden is maybe in his best form ever, or at least best form since, like, peak Houston. And the reason I think he's in a better form is he's definitely not chucking. Like, last night he was 7 of <coughs> seven of 13. That number could have been... 15 of 35 in Houston, and he still would have ended up with 30 points. But now he's so much more efficient, 7 of 13, 6 of 10 from 3, 26 points, along with 10 assists and 9 rebounds. Like, he's back to the triple-double Harden, but it's the it's an efficient triple-double Harden, which is scary. And then you have Embiid, who's obviously incredible, 9 of 17, 10 of 10 from the free throw. They also shoot free throws super well, which, again, come playoff time is going to be needed for sure. So... I think there's just a lot of things that point to that point to this team being really good. The thing that scares me is Maxi just coming off the bench has not been good. I don't know if he's gonna if that's gonna cause a rift at some point. Like, hey man, I was killing it as a starter whenever when you know when Harden and stuff were out, and now you just throw me to the bench for Melton, who by the way was one of seven, three points last night, who hasn't honestly been all that worthy of the starting spot anyway. I understand why they have Maxi coming off the bench because if you don't, then it is Melton, Niang, Thibel, and Harrell or Shake Milton thrown in there, which is a really bad bench, but. They're winning even despite Maxi being on the bench and not being good. So it's basically still a bad bench. Their starters are just incredible. Tobias Harris being the fourth option is, is basically a cheat code. I mean, he was 7 of 10 last night, 16 points, and got the ball. I know he had 10 shots. Touched the ball very little. Still had 5 assists and 5 rebounds too. So touched the ball very little amount and still was really good. I think him being a fourth option, sometimes a fifth option, is just lethal. So I think with all the numbers, with everything on their side, I think that they definitely can be the top team in the East coming out of the East and win the Eastern Conference. Obviously, you got to go through the two other big teams in Milwaukee and, and Boston. We know where we stand with those. Milwaukee is my team that I still think is the best team in the East when it's all said and done. But you cannot look at Philly anymore and say, oh, man, like, I don't know. You have to, They're legit. They're so good. And I think it's because Embiid is just incredible and Harden is just in a different form right now. So that's my take on on Philly. Um, let's look at some of the other games from last night. So let's go Boston and, and um, let's go Boston and Brooklyn. This game was insane. I I had a same game parlay that included a couple things um, that included a couple things in this game, and. Instantly, like five minutes in, I was worried because it was like 26 to 6. And obviously, it's the NBA, so I know that teams can come back. But then it was like 36 to 10. And I was like, uh oh. Like, the thing about same game parlays is people that the one thing that people you can't really like account for is blowouts. 
Like you can look at all of the trends. You can look at everything you want to. You can look at 90% times this is hit, 100% time this is hit. But most of the time those hit is because the game is close and it's not a blowout. When a game becomes a blowout, all of your props that you had and that you thought you were going to get become obsolete because they stop playing players as many minutes. They pull them in like the beginning of the fourth, end of the third. This game got, I mean, I needed eight rebounds or nine rebounds from Nick Claxton. He started to get a bunch in the third quarter, but I knew that he wasn't going to play most of the fourth, if all of it. And I was like, all right, he's got to get these next three in the next five minutes in the third quarter or he's done. And they obviously pulled all these guys late third quarter. So Kyrie Irving, same thing. I had him over points, rebounds, assists. He didn't get there because, one, he didn't shoot super well to start the game, but, two, he didn't play the entire ha second half of the third and fourth quarter, which I understand. Like, that's I'm not, I'm not pissing on the coaches here. I'm just saying you can't account for those when you're doing props. You can't, you can't really account for a massive margin, especially when these two teams – this is the fourth team in the East and is a decent team away from home. I thought maybe they could keep it close. They obviously couldn't. They lose by, you know, 30 – whatever that is, 43. So there you have it. Now, Celtics looked incredible, though. We got to give the Celtics credit. This wasn't just a bad night by Brooklyn. It was partially a bad night by Brooklyn. I mean, if we look at the team stats from the game, they shot 40% from the field, 23% from three. But here's the difference. Boston at one point was shooting 76% from the field. They ended up shooting 58%, which is pretty insane for an NBA team. Almost shooting 50% from three. Shooting 54 threes. Boston basically has constructed this team kind of like the previous Rockets, but this team is just more efficient. They're the number two offense and the number six defense. So again, obviously they have to be considered legit, and we already knew that. They have the best point differential in the league again. They're back to being the best point differential. I mean, there's just so many metrics and, and, and indicators that tell you that this team is the best team in the league, and no one's arguing that. I mean, right now, they are the best team in the league. Everybody can throw me Denver. You can throw me whatever. I mean, I think Milwaukee at the end of it is going to win the East. I've said that over and over. But right now, Boston is far and away the best team in the NBA. And, and honestly, I don't know how close it is. What they did last night was insane. I mean, I think Tatum had 20 starting the, barely into the second quarter. He ended up with 31. 7 of 12 from 3. Jalen Brown, 26 points. 7 of 12 from 3. I mean, you you got 12 from Luke Cornett. You got 10 from Brogdon. You got 14 from Derek White. It's insane what this team can do. And this is just tonight. There's nights where Brogdon will have 20, and Pritchard will put in 10, and Grant Williams will have 18. Like They have so many ways that they can get you. So many ways. Now, the Celtics have owned the Nets this year. The three games they've played, they won by 11. Um, what is that? 11 and 43. So it's not like these games have really been that close most of the time. Now, they haven't been 43 close, but or 43 blowouts, but, you know. So... Boston's legit. I don't really have much more to add on. We already know how they, like, I don't think they need to do anything. Just continue to play the, the way that you do. Continue to work with the team that you do. Missoula has done a phenomenal job. Regardless of how much work he needs to do, he's done a phenomenal job. Okay, moving on to the next game. We talked about, we wanted to chat about the Sixers, the Celtics. Let's talk Warriors. So, I think it's time the Warriors have to, to like, do the reality check, and they got to make a move of some sort at the deadline. 
I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not really sure what all they can do. But they they definitely have to do something um, because they, they just don't have enough right now. And Wiseman hasn't panned out. Moody is not where they wanted him to be. The only guy that you're okay with, and maybe you're still not okay with, but you, you at least can convince yourself, is Kaminga. He's the only guy that you can be okay with. And so I'm so Bleacher Report came out with um I think it was I'm trying to think when this was. It was early in like maybe like Jan- early January or um December. It's been updated several times, but basically there's there's a couple a couple trades that um that have kind of been brought up. Wiseman being included in most of them, which again, if you're a younger team, you you're gonna want Wiseman and you're gonna want some some draft picks. So it sounds like one of the things that the Warriors are looking to do is they just need more depth, and so depth that actually is good. And so they're going to. Tr- it looks like this is a trade proposed by Bleacher Report. So. Golden State trades away Wiseman, Moody, and two second-round picks, 27-28, to the Magic for Gary Harrison and Mo Wagner. I don't know how much better that makes you. I mean, it makes you more depth-filled. It makes you have more talent on your bench because, again, Wiseman isn't playing. Um, Moody isn't playing. They're playing more Anthony Lamb than anybody else. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And so with that being said, they've got to make a trade. And it's going to be centered around Wiseman. It's going to be centered around Moody. Um, you know, maybe maybe they throw Kaminga if they can get a, a massive deal of some sort. But, you know, all that said, it's going to be it's gonna be probably something like that. Where you're trading, you're trading a decent amount of Draft capital for that. Um, another fadeaway world uh, threw out a, a trade idea that was a blockbuster. Basically, you would trade Clay Thompson, your 2025 first, and your 2027 second, and then you would trade it to Indiana. Indiana would send you back Buddy Hield and Miles Turner. Clay, however, has been more consistent probably when this was first written. I mean, he's he's playing better. He still has a lot to be desired. I mean, last night he was 3 of 13. I think he had he was 3 of I think he was 3 of 10 from 3 or something worse than that. 2 of 7, sorry. 2 of 7 from 3. Just he just doesn't have it anymore, man. Like he has those flashes every every so often, but he can't really move as laterally as well. Buddy Heald at least has been a much more consistent shooter this year. You get Miles Turner, which is another rim presence. I think that trade is fun. I don't know what it actually I don't know if it actually happens. Obviously, I don't think I think Clay is a is a warrior for life. So I don't believe that that trade would actually come into play. But it's it's worth talking about, right? It's fun stuff. The the stuff is fun. You can talk about those things, you know, and and things like that might happen. But nonetheless, I I don't see that really happening. Um so, you know, Okay, 
listen, this game was, this game is what it is. It, it was close, it was close, it was close. It was back and forth. Golden State up two at first quarter, then up nine, then up 11, and they fall apart in the fourth quarter. I saw a stat. I'm going to see if I can... See if I can find it. I believe I saw, and then they went to overtime and they lost in overtime. They only scored four points in, in overtime. I want to say I saw a stat, and I don't know. It might have been Bleacher Report. But it basically was like in in the X amount of overtime games in Steph Curry's career. He's only like I think he's only scored four points total in all of his overtime games, and he's one of thirteen. Maybe that's just just this year. I don't know, but it was something crazy. Like it was a stat that when you read it, you'd be like, "Wait, this dude, this dude, one of thirteen, four points. That's it." Yeah, so not great. They got to overtime. They couldn't get it done. Curry was still great. 8 of 21, 5 of 12 from 3, 29 points, 10 assists, or sorry, 10 rebounds. He was great. But, you know, they lost. They need more depth. Kaminga only plays 15 minutes. Now he does get 10 points, but he's minus 4. DiVincenzo, 25 minutes, minus 7. They just need better and more talented depth. I think that's kind of what it comes down to for the Warriors. But they got to make a move, and you know they will. They're going to include some of those draft picks. It's probably going to include Wiseman and Moody in some form, and they'll get something done. Okay, on to the Sacramento Kings. I love this team. Um, I love them a lot. They are three in the West right now, and they're only two and a half games back of the second spot. Sabonis goes for 34 11 and 4. On 15 of 20. Fox has been great. I think Fox is going to hear his name called for an all-star reserve uh, today or tonight, whenever those are announced. 31 points plus 17. Harrison Barnes, only 14 points, but had plus 20. Malik Monk off the bench has been great. 22 points. This team is a ton of fun. Metrics-wise, they're third in offense. Now, they don't defend super well, so again, they're not a legit contender because they can't get stops at this point overall. But if they can get situational stops, and if you, and you know, De'Aaron Fox is one of the best paint scorers in the league, and then you've got Sabonis who can do it all with Malik Monk, who is such a freaking microwave. I love it, man. I think that this team is so fun and so legit. If they wanted to make a move at the deadline, they could, but I don't really know if they need to. Maybe deal Kevin Herter. Maybe find a team that wants Malik Monk. But this team is a lot of fun. And, you know, they, they've they got a lot of things going for them. Um, they're a ton of fun. It's legit. Okay, um, I think last team we're going to talk here is the Suns. So the reason I bring up the Suns is this. Obviously, they don't have Devin Booker. They're missing him a ton, and I totally get that, and that obviously makes sense. Chris Paul last night was awful. He played 27 minutes. He only shot the ball six times, and he only had three assists and two rebounds. Minus 26. This is a, and I should have said this about some of these games. There's a couple games that we haven't even touched on yet. This is a, this is a night in the NBA. It's a random Wednesday night. 
when there's just blowouts across the board. I mean, I'm going to pull up um, Hawks win by 32, Kings win by 10, Celtics win by 43, Blazers win by 10, 76ers 11. Like, you could say, oh, well, there's a couple close games in there. Yeah, Rockets win by 6, and Jazz win by 3. But other than that, and, and the Wolves obviously win in overtime. That was a close game. But, like, other than that, there was five blowouts, five by 10 or more, and two that were 30 or more. It happens in the NBA. And it sucks because, you know, when there's eight games, you're hoping to get at least five, six of them that are really, really good, and they weren't. But that's just kind of a Wednesday night in the NBA. Tonight, there's there's national TV games. There's games that you want to turn on and watch. So I assume tonight will be a little better. That was just a midweek NBA, you know, dud. Um, and my gambling showed last night. I donated a ton of coin to the, the sports book last night. But the the Suns have way too much talent to be getting beat by 32 at home to the Hawks. And and I truly don't think that's that crazy to say. I mean, the Hawks are, I believe, like in the seven or eight seed in the in the um, East. Now I know the Suns are the eight seed in the West, but a lot of that was because of they not they're not having Aiton for some time. They don't have Chris Paul. They don't have Devin Booker. I mean, the Hawks have been fully healthy all year, and they just can't can't win. And at times looked like they were giving up. The Suns now have Chris Paul back, and he puts a lineup like that, and they lose by thirty two at home. Mikel Bridges being the best player on this team for the stretch of like a week two weeks, three weeks, when you have Aiden, Aiden's soft as shit, man. I'm so bummed about DeAndre Aiden. I thought he was going to be so good for them. I thought he was going to take a step up, play for a contract, all that, you know, play with that contract, all that good stuff. And he's just soft, man. He's just super soft. He hasn't really made development. It's a bummer. But the Suns are, are worrisome, man. I don't really think that they have moves that they can make. Maybe you get rid of Chris Paul. Maybe you get rid of, you know, that Aiton contract, which now is something you definitely can trade. I don't know. But I'm looking at SB Nation for the Suns. They have seven realistic trade targets here. So obviously Siakam has come up a ton. Um, they have that as a four out of ten of availability. Kuzma has been been a big one as well. You've got Bogdanovich. You got some other ones, but seems like they're going to be going after probably a forward to get some points that they can just score it in bunches and maybe a, a point guard to be a backup. But all that said, they need to do something. They just don't look they don't look in sync. They don't have a lot of things going for them. Um, and right now they're eighth in the eighth in the West, and the spot between the sixth seed and the eleven seed is three games. No, the five seed and the 11 seed is three games. So, got to be on the lookout. Got to start to make some moves if you're the Suns. It's right there for you. I mean, you can literally move to the five seed in a week. Maybe even the four seed in a week. But you got to string together some wins. I know they're six and four in the last ten, which is fine. But you got to string together some wins. Okay, let's talk standing since we're already here. Eastern Conference right now, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Nets, Cavs, Heat, top six. Your play-in is Knicks, Hawks, Wizards, Pacers. So, 
here's the thing. I don't really think that there's any massive moves happening here. Um, I do think Cleveland, I texted the same buddy that we talked about, the Sixers. I told, I texted him, Cleveland is going to drop and I'm worried. Listen, the point differential is still second in the East, which is good for them. I've just seen too many times, man. They just don't look good late in games. They just, they're young. Their roster doesn't make sense. I said it on the podcast last week. I think they need to think about trading Garland because the two small guards doesn't work historically. It never has worked out. They're both 6-1. I mean, obviously Mitchell's a little thicker, but they're both small. I don't know. They just worry me. I don't think they're ready yet. At one point last night, they had a lineup of Mitchell, Lavert, Garland, Dean Wade, and I want to say maybe it was Evan Mobley. Like, that lineup is good, but it's not good enough. And Karis Lavert shouldn't be playing. He's He needs to be traded. Um, two small guards doesn't work. Mobley finally has started to look right offensively, but, you know, that took too long, and sometimes he's inconsistent. They're just young and not really meshing and not cohesive right now, and the two small guards is going to be their downfall, in my opinion. Okay, so that would be, and now the team that I think maybe can can move up in, in that is, um, is Miami. Miami has looked really good. Um, they are seven and three in their last ten. They finally have a, a positive point differential, so I love that. Um, and I think that with Cleveland dropping, they can make a move. Um, so that would be that would be my look there. Maybe that makes a decent move, but again. I don't really see a whole lot changing. I mean, New York is two games out of the sixth seed. Atlanta's three, Washington four, and Indy five. I think most of these are pretty solidified in the top six. It's just a matter of what seed you end up at. Now on to the West. Denver won three games ahead. They are definitely, definitely the best team in the West. Memphis two, Sacramento three, LA Clippers four, Mavs five, Timberwolves also at six, but with, or sorry, they're six, but also eight and a half games back. They have the same win percentage, um, but just tiebreakers has Dallas ahead of Minnesota. Golden State at the seven, half a game back of the six. Phoenix and Utah, eight, nine, also half a game back of the six seed. And then the Pelicans have dropped all the way to 10th. Um, but like I said, between 10 and four is two games. So they could easily go on a nice little streak here. They've lost nine in a row, though, the Pelicans have. They got to figure some shit out. This is the dog days of the NBA, and you don't want to lose nine in a row at this point because that can be the difference between being in the six seed, being a four seed, or being a 10 seed right now, as you can see. A couple teams that are within that, that are kind of within striking distance still Portland, Oklahoma City, and LA. Those are three teams that, if they get hot and go on a bit of a run, they can be in that play-in and maybe even move up to a top six. Um, the Lakers have been the most disappointing, obviously, but even with Anthony Davis back, they haven't been great. Um, since he's been back, um, I think they've they beat the Spurs, but then they've lost to the Celtics and the Nets, and then they beat the Knicks. So they've got a couple wins. They play the Pacers tonight, which we'll get into. Um, but they've got to get they've got to string together some wins. There's just no. There's no way around it. They've got to string together some wins. 
They're going to make some trades. I think that there's, you know, I think that there's some things they can do. Um, but again, you know, I, I don't really know what, but supposedly there are some things they can do. Okay, let's dive into the games for tonight. Um, we'll look at which games are obviously in the national TV spotlight. And then we will... Let's see here. There should be two TNT games tonight. Yes, there are. Okay. So, um, we'll go We'll go through all the games. We'll then do the best bets. We'll do the tweet trifecta, and then we'll talk about some player props that we like here. So, best bets, obviously, like I said, we usually try to keep it within the, um, within the national TV games. So, your first one you're looking at here is Memphis taking on Cleveland. Um, if we go to Roto-Wire and we look up the NBA lineups, we can kind of see what everything's going to look like. It does look like there's nothing that's to any game time decisions or anything like that. So we will have full strength for both teams here. So if we go to FanDuel, it looks like Cleveland right now is favored by six. A lot of that is because of their record at home. They are 21 and six at home and the Grizzlies are 11 and 15 away. A lot of it also is the health. I mean, obviously not having Steven Adams for Memphis is a bummer. Um, the thing about Cleveland, too, Isaac Okoro just can't be playing either. He's so bad. Um, and I Sorry, that was just another thing I meant to throw in there. Um, so Memphis taking on Cleveland. We've got full lineups across the board. I don't love the minus six, but I do think that they win. Um, I would probably take Grizzlies plus six or plus seven if you can get it. Um, however, they, they are coming off of a back-to-back, so maybe they sit some people. Um Later on, I don't know. This is obviously as of this morning. Uh, the starting lineups this may change, so keep this kind of keep this kind of where it's at. Um, keep an eye on it. Um, I would lean Memphis plus six for right now, but if we find out, out some people are are sitting, this line's going to jump, and maybe it's a stay away. But I'm going to say Memphis plus six for now. The other nationally televised game for tonight is Clippers Bucks. That is a ten o'clock game. Um, in Milwaukee, which is interesting to have Milwaukee at home be the 10 o'clock game. Um, but that is going to be the other TNT game. Um, Marcus Morris is a game-time decision, and Giannis right now is a game-time decision. Uh, right now that line is at Bucks minus 4.5, but obviously if Giannis doesn't play, expect that to drop um, and maybe even get closer to a pick um for that. But I would still take right now Milwaukee minus 4.5. I think they're definitely far and away better than the Clippers right now. Um, so I would take Milwaukee minus four and a half in that one. So those are the two best bets. Again, watch and monitor the lineup situations for those. That's the thing about the NBA. Love the NBA with all my heart, but these lineups and all this load management and sitting and all this stuff with the back-to-backs is really hard to bet on. So if you're, do not lock in, do not lock in spread bets and all these things early. It makes no sense because the lineups change. You can lock in like props and stuff because those void, but if you're locking in spreads or money lines or things like that, those don't change if players sit out. The, or those don't get voided. Those are locked in. So just be careful with those. But I would take Milwaukee minus four and a half as it stands right now in FanDuel. And then Milwaukee, or, uh, Memphis plus six. So those are the best bets. Tweet trifecta. We're going to go Cavs money line, Bulls money line. 
and Bucks money line. That's a three teamer that gets you to plus two twenty three. So really good value there. Hundred dollars gets you two twenty three. So that's the tweet trifecta three teamer there. Bulls, Cavs, Bucks, um, and then for some player props, I really want to take a look at um, Bam Adebayo's points, rebounds, assist number. Right now on um, on FanDuel, they have it at. Um, let me pull this up here. On FanDuel, they have it at thirty four and a half. You might even be able to get it at thirty three and a half on DraftKings. But right now, it's thirty four and a half. I like that number a lot. I think that he, the way he's been playing recently, he's getting at least fifteen to twenty points. He's booming for at least twelve or so rebounds. So right there, you're already right around that like. 30 to 32 mark if you get just the rebounds and if he's good for three or four assists I think we're gonna hit it if he gets more than 20 points we're almost guaranteed to hit this um because he's been averaging like 10 to 12 rebounds a game so I think we're gonna get this pretty easily we may even see this this pretty smoothly into the third quarter be done um I would take Bam Adebayo points rebounds and assists over 34 and a half which like I said is on FanDuel right now other prop that you can look at um, we're gonna go back to the well with this one. We've we've done really well with this one recently. Um, is Vucevic same thing? Points, rebounds, assists. His PRA um, on Fanduel right now. Make sure I have this right. Right now on Fanduel, his PRA is thirty six and a half. They're obvi- Vegas is adjusting the line. It recently has been as little as thirty three or thirty four. They're recognizing that he's hitting this a lot, but Vuce has been consistently getting fourteen and fifteen rebounds a night. If we can get him to like, you know, 20, 20 points or so a game, you know, getting those 14 to 15 rebounds, I think it's a pretty good spot. I know a lot of people are going to be on the under tonight with this because Vegas has adjusted the line. I still think he gets to this. I would take the over 36 and a half, and I would say don't don't fret too much about it. The way he's been rebounding has been super huge. Um, so I would roll with that. We are going to have two more kind of like throw these in here. Um, if you want to, this would be a same game parlay idea. If you want to throw it together, um, I would go Jared Allen, 10 plus points and six plus rebounds. And then I would add that in as well with Evan Mobley, 10 plus points and six plus rebounds. Um, I just think that both these guys have consistently hit this number a lot. Um, I'm trying to see, I had a trend written down for this. Um, yeah, two weeks ago when they played, they both had um, 10 plus and eight plus rebounds. Um, they both have hit this. Um, I believe Jared Allen has hit this, you know, in like 10 straight. Um, he's, yeah, Jared Allen has had 10 plus points in 20 of his last 25 and 12 of his last 13. He's, Allen has also had six plus rebounds in 24 of his last 25. He's had seven plus in his last 22. Mobley, 10 plus in 22 of the last 25, and he's had 6 plus in 24 of the last 25 as well. So I would say look to throw this together. Let me see what those odds can get you if we same game parlay these here. So if we do Mobley and Allen to get 10 plus points, and if we do Mobley and Allen to get 6 plus rebounds, that same game parlay gets us right to about minus 105. It's not a 10K or $10 to 10K challenge type of thing, which has been booming the internet recently. Um, It's just these are numbers that the trends are there. They're really good. Hit them. It's a bankroll builder. Um, Love that. 
So, like I said, to recap, best bets right now, again, check the lineups, be careful of them, but right now best bets are Memphis plus six and then uh, Bucks minus four and a half. The parlay is Bucks, Bulls, um, Bucks, Bulls, Cavaliers, three-teamer at about two to one. Hundred dollars gets you about two twenty or so. The um, same game pl- or the same game props, not props. Same game parlay is Mobley and Allen both to score ten plus points, and then them both to get six plus rebounds at about minus one hundred five. And then the props are Bam over thirty three and a half points, rebounds, assists, or over 34.5, sorry, and then Vooch over 36.5 points, rebounds, assists. So those are all the bets today. We will recap those, obviously, next time we talk. Hopefully, we're winners on a lot of those. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. If you're new, please like, rate, review, subscribe, download if you liked it. If you're new, we love you. We appreciate the support. We salute you. Thank you so much for listening. That is going to do it for another episode of In the Paint, and we'll catch you next week. All right, fam. Peace.